Good morning, everyone. Welcome. We are glad that you are here today. Uh, it's a little chilly out there, but you know what? We don't have any snow. <laughs> I'm glad for that. We, we, I think we've kind of dodged a bullet this winter, so we're, we're grateful for that. We welcome everyone today to our worship service. Uh, it's good to be here to share this time of worship with each of you. And we want to uh, welcome our guests, especially today. Uh, uh, we're glad that you're here with us and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God. Uh, let me remind everyone of our, our attendance sheets on each row. I'd like to ask if you wouldn't mind to fill those out and uh, check off the appropriate box on there and provide any information you feel comfortable giving to us. Uh, we would certainly appreciate that and pass it down the row so others can do the same. A few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, on Friday night, uh, we will be hosting a parents' night out. Uh, that's Friday from 5 to 8. And so it's a good opportunity to, to drop off the kids and, and uh, go off and have dinner or have a good time together. And uh, while we're doing this, I'll tell you, we, we haven't done this. I want to ask Kim Hall and Teresa Steele to stand up for a second. Y'all stand up. Stay standing. Stay. You don't even know why we're clapping. <laughs> I haven't even said anything yet. I, I know. You, you can read my mind. Some of you, most of you know, but some of you may not know that Kim and Teresa are now our our children's directors, and they're they're in charge of the uh, the children's ministries here at Community Baptist Church, and are doing a great job. So now is a good time to clap. <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Um, we, we began our Lenten season a couple of weeks ago with Ash Wednesday, and uh, we had our first Lenten lunch this past Wednesday at First Christian Church, uh, and that was a, a wonderful service, a wonderful time. And if, in case you're not familiar with this, during the season of Lent, between Ash Wednesday and Easter, every Wednesday uh, we have a lunch uh, at a different church in town, have a brief service, about 30 minutes, and then have lunch afterwards. Uh, we will be hosting the Lenten service this Wednesday. And so we invite you to come and to be a part of that Lenten service if you can and to share that time of worship and fellowship with us. Uh, but also, uh, Lana Hopgood is, is in charge of the meal that day, and she's looking for volunteers to, uh, to serve in the kitchen. Uh, or some financial assistance there, uh, we would appreciate your assistance in any way that you can there. If you can help, please see Lana. Uh, if you can't, at least be here on Wednesday and, and share this time to, together with us. Uh, speaking of which, we will need some help after the worship service, stacking up some chairs and, and kind of rearranging things a little bit. Um, and and um, also, um, coming up on, on uh, March the 25th, is that right? March 25th, I believe, is our Runway Red. Uh, that's something we will be hosting here. It's a part of the Matthew 25 ministry uh, for AIDS. And uh, we will be hosting that. It's a fashion show. And we'll be hosting that. And so um, I hope that you can be here for that. If you can be here, if you would like to have a ticket for that, please see uh, Brittany Smith. And there she is in the back row there. And, uh, and we also need some help in the kitchen. They'd like to, to have some help in the kitchen that day as well. So if you'd like to volunteer to do that, please see Brittany as well. Now, I, ha I hear this rumor that there's a basketball game or something at, at noon. 
uh, which is a real shame because I have an extra long sermon today. (laughs) No, we'll get you out in time for the basketball game, but let's stand and share the love of Christ with one another.
us pray together. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, and we come to praise your name. We come not as strangers or foreigners, but we are your children. We are not a part of the we were not a part of the family at one time, but we've been born again and made a part of your family. And because of that, we have the wonderful prospect of living with you, not only during our time here on earth, but also throughout eternity in heaven. What a bright future we have. We thank you, O Lord, for your faithfulness and your mercy and grace. You're always there when we need you. You have never turned away from us, and you have never turned us away. You have never failed us. You always fulfill your promises to us and to your world. And in in our times of trouble, when the road has seemed long and hard, you've been right there with us. You've helped us through. We give you thanks, O God. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. But most of all, we thank you for who and what you are. We want to tell you that we earnestly want to do your will. We want to fulfill your plans and your purposes for us. We're available because we've surrendered our lives to you and and you can do with us whatever you choose. We're all busy with the busyness of living. We have our jobs and families. We have our responsibilities. We get involved in all kinds of things. So help us, Lord. Help us to put first things first. Help us to keep our priorities straight. Help us to seek your kingdom first and your righteousness. And let the other things fall into their rightful places. We pray for the needs of our people today. We've all come with individual and personal needs. Maybe nobody on earth knows about the struggles that we're facing, but you do. And you invite us to bring everything to you in prayer. And so we reach out to you, O God. And we know that you are already reaching out to us. So meet our needs, O God. And allow us to sense your presence as we worship you today. In your name we pray. Amen.
guys, this is a hard one. I usually, when I read the lesson, have a pretty good idea of how to kind of, kind of explain this. There are certain, you know, passages in the Bible, <clears throat> excuse me, that I think are kind of a little hard to understand in like a concrete way. And so this, I think, is one of them. So I took a small part of this passage, and I'm going to kind of explain it to you guys how I understand it. And then I'm hoping that Ms. Kim and Ms. Teresa explain it much better than me when you go upstairs with them. So, hold on one second. Let me get back on to the, um, the passage that I took was out of John chapter 3, verse 8. And I'll kind of give you a background of what this is explaining as to how I understand it. There was a guy named Nicodemus, and he woke up Jesus in the middle of the night. You guys like being woke up in the middle of the night? Me either. Jesus was really nice when he woke him up. I would be a little grumpy probably. And uh, Nicodemus said, um, you know, that he believed that Jesus was a special being, and he asked Jesus kind of what he could do to join the Christian movement. And Jesus told him he needed to be born again. That's a very confusing concept, isn't it? If you're already born, if your mom already had you at the hospital and you're already born, I can be born again, right? So I had a little trouble kind of trying to find a concrete way to kind of explain that to you guys. So in verse 8 it says, Jesus explained to Nicodemus, the wind blows where it will. And though you hear its sound, yet you neither know where it comes from nor where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So the best way that I could kind of think of this was something that I have at home. And it's going to be kind of loud. That's why I left it in the bag. Let's hope that I didn't tangle my husband's, uh, tangle my husband's thing up. But we have this outside at our house. Do you guys know what this is? A wind chime. And sometimes it's really quiet like this, but then sometimes it's really loud. And you'll never see anything touch it in general. So do you know how it gets really loud or really quiet? What causes that? The wind. Zoe said the wind. And how do you know it's the wind? Right. Gracie said you can't see the wind, but you can feel it. And that's kind of how you can explain um, the Holy Spirit. Or another good way to explain it, I'm going to try to set the sound really quietly. Yeah. Um, is whenever you're baptized, like Ryan, you were recently baptized, the Holy Spirit, he didn't, it wasn't the thing that you like saw and took a selfie with and like shut up, like, hey, Ryan, what's up? It was more of something that you felt within you, right? Whenever Dr. Hobbs kind of dipped you over into the water and pulled you back up. So that's kind of the best way for me to explain being born again. And it doesn't have to be being baptized. It can be that you are, um, you know, that you just feel kind of a spirit around you or you just ask God to help you with something. So, um, like I said, I think Miss Kim and Miss Teresa can hopefully explain it a lot better to you guys, but that's how I can kind of explain it. And that, that is funny. And, um, you know, uh, verse 8, like I said, when the wind, it says the wind blows where it will, and through you, and though you hear its sound, yet you never know, I'm sorry, and though you hear its sound, yet you neither know where it comes from nor where it goes. So it is with each one of us 
who is born of the Spirit. So that's how I want you guys to kind of remember the Holy Spirit when it's around you. So if you would bow your head with me, and then you guys will go from there. Dear God, please help us to remember that sometimes when we read your scriptures, we have hard times understanding them, but we can always seek out people who understand them better than us. Also help us to remember that no matter where we are, that the Holy Spirit is with us at all times. Father, we thank you for the sun. It brings warmth. It brings growth. It makes us feel good. We thank you for the rain also, for without the rain, we could not grow. We could not feel good. We ask your blessings on those who need you. We ask your blessings more on those who don't know they need you. Touch them in a way that they can't explain, that make them seek you in a way that is indescribable. 
We ask your blessings on these tithes and offerings. May you reach those that we need to reach. In your name we pray. from the book of John this morning, chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? 
Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent into the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of the God of the Lord.
Thank you, choir. I hope you know that difference in your life as well. <clears throat> there was a uh, children's TV program a while back, and on this program, the announcer asked a little boy what he wanted to do when he grew up, and he loudly proclaimed into the microphone, I want to be an animal trainer. He said, and I'll have lots of lions and tigers and leopards, and then I'll walk into the cage, and here he hesitates for just a second, and then he said, but of course, I'll have my granddaddy with me. <laughs> Granddaddies and grandmothers are pretty special, aren't they? You just ask any little boy or girl, and and guess what? Grandsons and granddaughters are also pretty special. Just ask any grandparent. And so grandparents and grandchildren are special, and God is special too. But have you ever heard that expression that God has no grandchildren? Have you ever heard that expression? That God has no grandchildren. God only has children. And what is meant by that is that every generation and every individual needs to embrace their faith for themselves. Our scripture lesson for today reminds us that you must be born again or you will never see the kingdom of God. William Gibson, in his book titled Mass for the Dead, tells about how after his mother's death, he yearned for the faith that had strengthened her during her lifetime, the faith that kept her strong during her courageous battle with cancer. And so he took his mother's gold-rimmed glasses and her faded, well-worn prayer book, and he sat down um, in her favorite chair. He opened the prayer book because he wanted to, to hear what she had heard. He put on her glasses because he wanted to see what she had seen. He sat in her place of prayer because she, he wanted to feel what she had felt, to experience what she what had so deeply empowered her during her life. But nothing happened. It didn't work. And guess what? It never does. Here's the thing. We cannot claim someone else's faith for ourselves. Now, the example of someone's faith, somebody else's commitment, someone else's faith, that example may inspire us and nurture us towards faith, but we cannot substitute the, their commitment for our own commitment. We can pattern our faith journey after someone else's faith journey, but no one can make that journey for ourselves. Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. And this is a key factor of the Christian faith. So let's try to unpack this concept a bit by asking three very simple questions. One, what is new birth? Two, who needs new birth? And three, how are we born again? First of all, what is new birth? Well, we all need to know who we are and where we came from, don't we? We need to know that information. I heard about a little boy who came, came in from school one day and asked his mother, where did I come from? And so the startled mother drew her thoughts together and decided that it was it's about time to 
face this issue head on. And so she said, ask your father when he comes home from work. And so when dad came home from work that evening, he faced his questioning son. I've been talking to my friends at school, he said, and and I wonder if, could you tell me where I came from? And so the father took a deep breath and he proceeded to tell this young man about the birds and the bees and the boy's eyes got larger and larger. And when his dad finally finished, he jumped up and he said, well, thanks, dad. That was great. My friend Johnny, he's just from New Jersey. We all need to know where we came from, don't we? And so in response to the question, what is new birth? Let's begin with an obvious assertion. If you're going to grow up, you first have to be born. Jesus made it clear to Nicodemus that there are two kinds of life. There is a biological life and there is a spiritual life. And for either of them, there must be a beginning There can be no life without birth. And so Jesus is saying that what is true of the physical life is also true of the spiritual life. You must be born again. You must be born into the spiritual life. Jesus uses the words flesh and spirit to talk about this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, he says, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, whatever that means, it is far more than we can really fathom, much less explain in one point of a sermon. But I think that one thing that it does mean is that we are brought into a parent-child relationship with God. Now, our relationship with God has been broken by our sin, broken beyond our capability to repair it. But the good news is that God, through Jesus Christ, repairs what we have broken. We talked about this a little bit last week. We, we have that image of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And at first, their relationship with God was, was intimate and unbroken. But by their deliberate choice, by their sinful disobedience, they broke that relationship with God. And I think one of the saddest pictures in all of the Bible is the one that's presented at the end of Genesis chapter 3 when God expelled Adam and Eve from the Garden of Eden. John Steinbeck picked up on that image in the title of his book, East of Eden. Instead of being a resident in the garden, instead of being in an ongoing intimate relationship with God and the paradise that God had prepared for them, The dwelling place of Adam and Eve was now east of Eden, outside of the garden, outside of the relationship that they had once enjoyed with God. And that's our story as well, because of our sin. And so new birth is a birth to God. It is reestablishing a relationship with God which was at one time broken by our sin, but is now restored by the grace of Jesus Christ. Matthew's Gospel has Jesus saying basically the same thing that he told Nicodemus in another context. He said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. 
This image that we need to become a child again in our relationship with God is, is what Jesus is presenting here. And, and notice that Matthew ties the word change to the image of becoming as a child. Some versions use the word convert. And that's what new birth means. It means being changed, being converted. The Old Testament word is shub. It occurs almost 1,200 times in the Old Testament. And it basically means to to turn around. If you're going in one direction, then you turn around and you start going in another direction. It means turning away from sin and self and turning towards God and, and faith. The New Testament Greek word is metanoia. It's the same thing. And and it's the word that we sometimes translate as repentance. We have a similar word in English. You've heard the word metamorphosis, I'm sure. It's in your biology classes in, in, uh, in your high school. It comes from the Greek word meta, meaning to change, and morphe, which means form, And so metamorphosis means to change form, to change one's form. And we're all familiar with that process. A little caterpillar will crawl along in in the dirt, and, and finally the great forces of nature begin to work. He climbs up onto the stem of a tree or a bush. He wraps a cocoon around himself. And then after a while, something great begins to happen. He begins to split open his skin, and and out of that little caterpillar emerges a fragile, beautiful butterfly. Well, Jesus says that that is what, what needs to happen to us in order to live in the kingdom of God. That little caterpillar can't reach down and get the nectar out of the flower. That caterpillar can't even get up to the flower. He's got to have wings. He's got to have a different kind of nose. He's got to have a different form altogether. And Jesus is saying that that has to happen to us as well. We need to metamorph. And that's what new birth means. Now for the second question. Who needs to be born again? Well, I think we can answer that question pretty easily by looking at Nicodemus. You know who Nicodemus was? He was an aristocrat. He was an educated man. He was a scholar. He was an honorable man. In a word, he was cultured and refined and decent, a religious man. And so let's let's look at him in our imagination as he goes through the night and knocks on Jesus' door. Jesus answers the door that night, and Nicodemus stands face to face with the Savior of the world. Here is someone who knows the mind and the heart of God. And I think it's interesting, if if you read this passage of Scripture, that even before Nicodemus can tell Jesus what he wants, Jesus is already answering his question before he even asks it. And what did he say to this man who dared to come, him, come to him in the night? He did not say to him, Nicodemus, I know what your trouble is. You're not honest. He didn't say to Nicodemus, 
Nicodemus, you got to quit cussing so much. He didn't say, Nicodemus, you've got to start doing a better job keeping the Sabbath or you've got to quit breaking your marriage vows. No, he didn't say any of those things. He didn't say anything like that. If he had said something like that, Nicodemus probably would have become defensive about it because he wasn't guilty of any of those things. He was a clean man. He was a moral man. He was a religious man. But what did Jesus say to him? What he said to him was this, you must be born again. He said, I know what your problem is. You've been trying to find peace and rest and joy and salvation by doctoring the outside of your life. You've kept all of the rules. You've obeyed all of the commandments. You've done everything that there is to do to earn the respect of your community. But you need to get your heart straight with God. That's what you need. It's as simple as that. And so Jesus declared to this pious, earnest, honest man, the one supreme universal necessity of all of us, and that is that we need to be born again. So that's the bottom line, isn't it? Who needs new birth? We need, need, need new birth. All of us. Every one of us. You see, Jesus didn't say that this to an outcast. He didn't say this to someone who has wasted his life away in riotous living. He said it to one of the most cultured and refined and decent men of his day. And the bottom line is that if Nicodemus needed to be born again, then you and I certainly do as well. I need new birth. You need new birth. Anyone who has not yet come back from our East of Eden journey away from God, we need to be born again. And we can be East of Eden in a lot of different ways. One of my favorite short story writers is Flannery O'Connor. In one of her stories, she has a character who asks, have you ever looked inside yourself and seen what you're not? Well, have you? Not what you are. We ask ourselves that sometimes. Have you ever looked inside yourself to see what you are? But this character asks, have you ever looked inside yourself and seen what you are not? Have you ever looked inside yourself and seen what you're not? That's sin. Seeing what you could be but you're not. It's denying or, ne or neglecting who God is calling us to be. It's falling short of the glory of God. It's, it's searching for self-glory and security in our own lives. It's, it's living the unexamined life to the point that we may even convince ourselves that we don't have anything to ask forgiveness for. We don't have any sin. Sin is living our lives in such a way that we don't need God. It's convincing ourselves that we're good when the only goodness that we know is our pride-producing performance that receives the acclamation of the world. So who needs new birth? 
anyone who's still trying to save himself or herself by good works. Anyone who has not yet accepted the forgiveness of our sins by the grace of God. And now for the third question. How are we born again? Now, even as I share with you some specific responses that can help us receive the gospel, I am aware of what Jesus said to Nicodemus when he asked the same question. Jesus said, the wind blows where it will. And you may hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from and where it goes. And that's the way it is with everyone who's born of the Spirit. And so let's acknowledge right off the bat that there is no set formula as to how we are born again. That's one reason I I hate those gospel tracts that reduce a relationship with God to a formula. If you do that, if you do this and say that, then you're good to go. Uh Uh-uh. Even so, I believe that there are some biblical hints that will help us achieve new birth. And first one is that we need to repent. Remember what Jesus said? Unless you change and become like little children. To repent means that we change. It means that we are genuinely sorry for our sin, for our time that's spent east of Eden away from God. We genuinely want to to turn away from our sins and, and turn away from our own efforts to save ourselves. We need to repent. Two, we need to admit that we need Jesus and accept his forgiveness. As I said before, some people don't even think they need to be forgiven. But the Bible says that if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. And then three, we accept the fact that Jesus came to save us and we make the commitment that we will follow him as our Lord, our boss. In other words, we will live our lives to the best of our abilities according to his teachings and his spirit. In all of this, we need to remember who Jesus is and what Jesus came to do. He's come to save us and to give us new birth. While on a mission, a tour of mission stations around the world, The late Bishop William McDowell of the Methodist Church came to a village in India. He met with 40 Christian men there, and knowing that they had all become outcasts from their families and their society because of their faith, he decided to test their understanding. Brothers, he said, who is Jesus? Instantly, 40 hands went up, and the bishop singled out one man who he didn't think looked too bright. <laughs> and at once that Indian Christian rose and he bowed and he testified, Sir, I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and the Savior of the world because he loved me and he gave himself for me and for all of those who are here when no one else would even touch the hem of our garment. If he looked upon us in mercy and then died to make us free, then he must love everybody. He must be the Son of God because only a good God would do what Christ has done for us outcasts. 
when the bishop came home and spoke of what he had heard, there was, there was a glint of tears in his eyes. And, and after he recalled his experience there, he said, it was worth going around the world more than once to hear those humble Christians bearing witness to the grace of Jesus Christ. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's what we have to keep in mind. That's who Christ is, the one who gives us new birth. And I don't think, there, I don't think there's anything that demonstrates this more powerfully than the parable of the prodigal son. The central truth of that parable is that when the prodigal returned home after being east of Eden, going out and sowing his wild oats, he returned home. And the father accepted him just as though he had never been away. That's the way it is with us, folks. You must be born again. That's what Jesus said. And in response to his word, we simply turn to him. We accept his grace. And we let the spirit blow wherever it will refresh our spirits and to give us new life. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, Have Thine Own Way, Lord. Have Thine Own Way. You know, we kick against that all the time, don't we? You know, Lord, have Thine Own Way, except for this. Lord, have thine own way, but I'm going to hold back a little bit in this area. But you know what? Sometimes we need to change. We need to metamorph. We need to repent. We need a new birth. Maybe that's the prayer that we need to be praying ourselves today. And I hope that as we sing this song this morning, this will be truly the prayer of your heart. Have thine own way.
God's love has called us into community to bless us. And now God's love sends us out into the wider community to be a blessing. And so let us go forth from here in peace. Let us bring the blessings of God, our Creator, to those we meet. May we go in the assurance that God goes with us because we have been born of God. We are God's children. Amen. Plan before.